Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. Over and above layering solutions to detect and protect against a cyber attack, many companies also buy extra protection with cyber insurance to help them recover from a loss. But those policies, as we all know, are not easy to obtain or afford. And what about technology partners who sell security solutions? What protections do they have? Those are great questions for our guest today, Kirsten Bay, co-founder and CEO of Cyurance. Her company offers Cyurance as a service, which bundles protections into the managed security solutions partners sell. Stay tuned for this new episode into the brave new world of cyber warranties. Hi, everyone. I'm your co-host, Susanna Song. And I'm Dave Barton. Hey, David. Hey, how's it going? We we haven't done this for a little while. Yeah, new year, new episode, and we are starting it off with, I think, a pain that a lot of business owners out there can relate to, but a solution, which is why we have Kirsten joining us uh, this afternoon. So welcome, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. Well, tell our audience uh, a little bit about yourself and how you even started uh, your company around cyber warranties. Yes, well, um, it's a little bit of a circuitous route, so I like to say I'm a serial student because that sounds a little bit less crazy, but I started my life in supply chain risk management and financial risk management and then got into cybersecurity looking at how we value data for loss about 16, 17 years ago. So it's been a number of years, but the thing I noticed when I joined in the cyber world was that there's this disconnect between true technology integration and risk management. And so this was always something that as I worked in threat intelligence and threat detection companies, big data analytics is that I really wanted to help integrate that risk management posture that we look at more broadly inside an organization with the technology implementation of how we manage risk to answer that first question, how do we value data for loss? What is it actually worth to our companies? And how do we use that technical infrastructure to drive to future revenue for our organizations? And how much protection do we need for either a technology or for an insurance product? And so we started Cyurance with this idea that embedded insurance, both cyber warranties and cyber insurance can be linked together and embedded into technology and security solutions so that we can really understand what we're attesting to, what we say we really have in our environments, and how we can also measure how effective those those implementations are so that we can really understand how much risk to lay off in an insurance policy and what we need to do to invest in security products. Yeah, I'm curious, are there a lot of competitors you're dealing with? Because you hear a lot about cyber insurance, but you don't hear very often a cyber warranty. I mean, so what are we dealing with in the marketplace right now? Well, more and more security providers are trying to add on some form of warranty. Um, and there are both endpoint management and other solutions that a lot of it's at the endpoint to help when they're trying to say we prevent or help mitigate ransom attacks or those types of solutions. And if something goes wrong, we'll help deal with that loss. For us, we're trying to look at it more as understanding how effective the stack of security actually is. And so what we're looking at isn't a particular endpoint solution or other solution. We're actually looking at the integration of both services and security stack. And that 
if we get that right, we should reduce severity, frequency, and impact of an event. And that's like one of the favorite terms of insurance. But I also think it's something that we as security practitioners should be really talking about, which is this notion for years and years, you know, and I know you have CISOs around you all the time, zero, right? Some bad thing happened, like how did that happen? It's like, no, bad things happen. There are car crashes and house fires too. They're all insurable people. What we need to show in our security stack is that it mitigates the severity and impact of an incident so that we can get back up and running. And that's really what we need to prove to the insurance marketplace is that we understand how effective that stack can be to reducing the impact and showing ROI to the executives with suite so they understand how to invest in that security stack. So I love where you're going, by the way, Kirsten. Um, you know, a longtime security practitioner, one of the things that, that we've always talked about is compliance, right? And compliance doesn't equal security or, or secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the challenges that cyber insurance has faced for the last 10 years is, and, and, and for our, our listeners, it's still a very immature model, right? Auto insurance has been around since... You know, I can't tell you when it started, but they've got tables and tables and tables of data. We don't have that yet in cyber. And so it's been difficult on a good day for a cyber insurance company to really tell you, yes, you manage risk well or no, you don't. And I think what exacerbated the problem is it's a point in time. One and two, it's self-attestation. Hence. What we're seeing in the industry is, oh, by the way, we're not going to cover ransomware. We're not going to cover uh, nation state sponsored activities. We're not going to sponsor or we're not going to cover boom, boom, boom. And eventually they're not going to cover anything, right? Unless, Unless you come up with a model, which is where I think you guys fit in nicely, where there's a monthly attestation. It's not just a point in time. It's a continuous risk management and that at the end of the day that's what you're bringing to market is a risk management framework that enables a warranty to be provided or insurance to be provided and that's the gap i think between what traditional barclay barclays insurance does and what you guys do is that fair absolutely it is and and i i use the car analogy a lot the, the thing that's interesting about the car analogy is that from the point in time that seatbelts, as an example, became mandated by a state, they then became mandated by insurance 10 years later, because right. during that period of time, they were actually able to see how effective a seatbelt was in reducing really severe things from happening. So I actually like to refer to the security stack as the cyber seatbelt, because Mm. these are like the basic table stakes for knowing how you're going to reduce your risk. And to your point, you know, the thing I'm worried about with cyber insurance applications right now is that I hear a lot these days, people saying, oh, well, I have to get my cyber insurance application filled out. So I need the right stuff. And it's like, well, actually, if you have the right stuff, then that box should be checking itself. So right. it's like for all the years I've been working with compliance and standards and so on, we, we can't let the cart get before the horse. Um, and so that's a, a key element. But the other thing that we're trying to show, and, and for us, we have both warranty and insurance that we can add on behind it, is that if we have that ability to get down to the product and service level, 
now we have carriers sitting behind us who are saying, we believe so much in that, that we're willing to give a highly discounted insurance policy as well. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I want the insurance industry to, and for us as practitioners to prove is that, as you say, it's very difficult at the point in time to do that. But if we're continuously measuring and understanding then we can show that we can see those gaps and we can plug those gaps so that we can have continuous evolution as well. And that's what we need to show to the industry is that, that we're capable and that's possible because there are, there are a lot of people who don't think it's possible at all. Right. Well, and, and for the same reasons we've already covered, right? It, the, there's so many attacks. They're making so much money. They're well incentivized to go after all of our customers. Um, so when you start thinking, Sorry, Suzanne, I'm going to own the no, few questions here. But when you, Kirsten, when you think about what are the minimum things that companies should be doing, uh, is, you know, l- let's talk about the warranty for a second. What are the things that you're looking for in an end customer that they should be doing to qualify for the warranty? Yes, well, because we integrate with managed services and managed security services and NDRs and their solutions is what we're trying to see is what is being implemented in that stack. And sometimes that is like the responsibility of the service provider and the responsibility of that end customer. Sure. Right? So the end customer, we want to see backups, encryption of personally identifiable or personally identifiable health information, right. um, of course, MFA. At the end of the day, having lived on both sides of this line, the thing that I want to see, and, and we debate MFA till the cows come home, but we know that identity and access management is really important because that really tamps down the ability to have lateral movement because that's every bad thing that happens to us, right? So, right. so starting with some form of MFA where we can get good identity and access management, you know, some of the, the PAM people, you know, privilege access management. Those are the things that I, I would really focus on if, if you're a small organization just starting is make sure you know who's in your system. Mm-hmm. And then we can do great, wonderful defense in depth, zero trust, all of the buzzwords that we live with in the security land, but encrypt it, back it up and make sure you know who's in your system. I mean, those are, that to me is the seatbelt. They're making airbags and lane drift and all those great, wonderful features. Right. Okay. Kirsten, did you agree with that assessment? So Sorry. for me, yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. I talk to end customers and partners all the time, and I'm constantly amazed at there's still a subsection who think their firewall and AV is good enough. And when something bad happens, they're surprised. Mm. And in my world, that's not enough. But as you start thinking about patching or uh, managing identities, which is really what you're going after, um, MFA backups, you know, that are air gapped maybe from your network, um, all of those things lead to recovery time, which reduce my my outage right all of those things so I, I think they're great i think you know most of those are easy mm-hmm. surprisingly enough most of those are easy right yeah. you put a patch program together and do it consistently have a process around that um so i love it i think it's awesome would you actually say it's really easy david 
the because Kirsten laid down laid out the enrollment requirements. There, I think she named off four or five. Right? Wouldn't everybody more, be chomping at the bits if? Right. I would say some small medium businesses might think that that's a lot and they can't they can't manage it, or else they would be signing up for the warranty program yesterday. I mean, where so are I we at in this industry? So two things. One, I don't think they know about SciSurance yet, which we hope to help influence. But two, this will come back to one of the fundamental business problems that we solve, Susanna, which is there's not enough people who know how to do this. And I think Kirsten led with she's working with MSP and MSSPs who have talent to help those end customers solve the problem. So the service providers are the ones who are going to help solve those five or six or seven category requirements um, so that the end customer can qualify for the, the warranty. And, and, and to your question, I think it's easy if you, and I'm a cyber guy, so I, my, my opinion might not be fair here, but if you put the focus on it, it's not hard to turn on MFA. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little more process. It may be a little painful on occasion, but it's better than getting hacked. It's better than being out of commission and not being able to get back up because you don't have a warranty because you don't have uh, insurance. Some of the other ones, again, are just thoughtful. We got to do these things. We we, we can't. Eh. I'll tell you a story about a, a company that got uh, they had a backup plan. And the only thing that saved them was the person, uh, the, the backup unit kicked the tape out. And so it wasn't plugged in for the bad guys to encrypt. Everything else got encrypted. And so the only way they were able to recover was the backup, right? And so that's huge. Just doing a backup, even if it's not fully air-gapped, is better than nothing. And it's not hard to put a network storage device on and and stuff the data there. So now I'd I'd rather be air-gapped so that the bad guys can't get at it anyway. But none of those things that Kirsten lays out are super difficult. They just require commitment and they require effort and you might need help with a service provider to do it. So Kirsten, who is this for this cyber warranty? I know you can bundle it with an insurance policy, but is this a replacement for cyber insurance or in addition? It's really to be augmentative and it's, it's to sit in front and that's, you know, it's sort of like, what you think of as Aflac, you know, where you see the duck on Saturday when you watch football, you know, that's that, that policy that covers things before you need to get into a full broad coverage capability. And so the reason why we created it, one was to create standardization so that we could get broad deployment inside the services providers. Because as David said, for us, I think that there's a fundamental component to services and technology. That's where I have seen in my career that, that slippage where the people are trying to manage these things on their own. And really, I think as we go on, we'll see more and more services. And, and if you look at the SMB, we're talking like up to 500 employees, 88% of those people already outsource IT services in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the only other category where they outsource more is in finance and accounting and bookkeeping. So it really is the most outsourced type of service beyond you know, the financial ma- management piece of the company. So, so I think that those are a big thing. And what we're trying to do is help incentivize customers to buy services by saying, 
if you do that, there are components, financial components that come with it that help you because we need to get a stack in place, but you need someone to help you. And so it was also intended to create standardization and also help incentivize and help support the services providers where they can help show that they're providing something that is real value add that has ROI to a company. Back to the enrollment requirements, Kirsten, and not to focus too much on it. Um, how did you come up with those requirements? What of those five, like MFA, ba- uh, backup, and re- uh, disaster recovery, um, I think a patch was another requirement. What in that yeah. stack proved, was there some sort of data that you discovered or research that showed that these five uh, was the answer to preventing a breach or a cyber attack or, or data loss and, and mitigating the risk? Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things. One is just in, in the history that I have had in in cyber and working on the threat intelligence side. So really understanding adversary movement and what the adversary does to try to penetrate a network. It was the process of, well, what are the key things that we know can break that chain so you know, in the, in the geeky world, we follow the MITRE chat framework in terms of looking at how we use the stack and in, in the simple portions of the stack to David's point where how do we get the most bang for the buck in terms of those requirements and how do we reduce risk 40, 50, 60, 70%, right? And so those were the key areas where we wanted to, to focus and also to make it so that we didn't have some strange esoteric, you know, you have to have threat hunting in combination with something else and, you know, a blinky light thing and you know, all these components where you would have some small business going, I, I don't know what any of that stuff is, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so trying to get something that's reasonable. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, we can add features forever, right? I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of security companies. And part of it was, was to make it so that especially managed services, because they're coming up the chain in terms of adding more in, in the way of adding security. I didn't want to make it so complex that they had to have a stack that was extremely expensive. So it was trying to find that, that sweet spot where we knew we could really dramatically reduce risk, reduce the time of implementation for both the practitioner and the, the buyer, but also know that we're getting some distance to if something happens, the key thing, as David said, is, and we're trying to really create to incent this, is we want to get rapid recovery because that's what people want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great to have a million dollar check, but if you have nothing, does that really help? And so that's really what we're trying to help with. Well said. David, any task. final questions? Yeah. As I say, that's a huge task. I, I love where you're going. It's going to help so many companies. If nothing else, Kirsten, it's going to help them move the needle in their organization because, you know, they may only be doing three and mm-hmm. they need to get to these five. And so for me, rate, you know, the rising tide lifts all the boats. I think that's huge. And if, if we can help start to move an industry, because that's really what we have to do. We've got to move an industry. Um, I'm, I'm all in, right? Which is why we brought you on the call or on the, on the podcast, because we don't have enough people thinking about the problem like you are. Well, it's, thank you. And, and the challenge I think too is, is something that's incumbent in two areas. One is for us to really help these organizations understand that it could happen at any moment, not in a fear mongering, you know, scary sort of way, 
but let's be prepared. And there's an easy way to be prepared and a not super expensive way to be prepared. Right. And, and so that's one component. And, and to get to the other side, it just, it's not that much of a lift. And, and then to prove to the insurance industry that we actually are able to mitigate those risks, but we have to get kind of everyone singing from the same song sheet to be able to do that. That's right. And then we can normalize because you know, we have lots of people who are saying, gosh, my, my policy went up 500% or I couldn't get a renewal. And so that's what we're trying to do is help people qualify for, for low cost insurance, but also that gives them a lot of value, but that the value is really tied to what they have done and continue to do daily to manage those risks in their environment. Yep. I agree. Yeah. So a cyber warranty program such as yours would expedite reaching that policy, that insurance policy. All right. Any, any last thoughts, David, as we wrap this episode up, Kirsten mentioned a lot of great things. Now, I think, uh, you know, I'll just reiterate what I said. I think we need to move the industry, and that's really what we're talking about. And having an impetus of a warranty, potentially a, a low-cost policy for cyber is going to help. It's going to help a ton. Um, you know, and, and I think it also opens us up to a conversation with our partners and then customers on, you know, here's where you're at on a maturity scale, but if you do this and you pay this, you get all of this coverage. And in addition, you're going to move the needle from a maturity perspective as well. And and I love it. I think it's it's fantastic and uh, look, look forward to learning more and, and just seeing how it works. Yeah, so much more to explore on this topic. Well, thank you, Kirsten, uh, for joining us. Uh, on, on our inaugural. Actually, it's our first episode of 2023. Episode of the year. Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Anytime. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for those of you listening, if you're a service provider and you want more information on what Kirsten and David um, addressed around cyber warranty bundled with uh, policy and insurance policy, reach out. Uh, you can reach us at podcast at highwirenetworks.com or find us on highwirenetworks.com. Go to our podcast page and we'll have all of Kirsten's information more about this program. And for those of you who are tuning in again, just to learn about uh, cybersecurity, thanks so much for joining us. We'll have many more um, amazing episodes to come, including the next one will be all about how to operationalize cybersecurity. So we'll have our CEO, Mark Porter, join us for that episode. Until next time, I'm Susanna Song. And I'm Dave Barton. And this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate the episodes you enjoyed, share, and leave us a comment. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. Remember, the more you know about cybersecurity, the safer you'll be. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcasts.